All right, everybody, welcome back to the Shock Talk Innovators mini-series. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us is Darren Dufresne. Darren is the co-founder of Vizzling, and he's the author of numerous short stories, essays, and screenplays, as well as the 2008 story collection, Inside and Out. He's also written The Salt Palace, which came out in 2005 and was his first novel. Here at Wichita State, Darren is a professor of English and the director of the university's writing program. Darren, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, me and a couple of my friends a while back had worked a little bit on Vizzling uh, last semester. And so it was cool to kind of see the dots connect from where you guys were. And then you've had some kind of big announcements come out that we're going to hit on and then go full circle and get to interview you here. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, uh, we have been too. And um, uh, Tech Transfer has been so helpful with this whole process. This is something that was way, way outside of my uh, area of, of uh, certainly of expertise, but also experience and, and same for Aaron, my partner on this. Right. Well, what I want to start off with is for everyone listening, how would you describe Vizzling just simply? So it's an app that is meant to help um, blind and visually impaired users get a sense of page layout and things like that with uh, multimodal text, which would be comics, maps, anything that has text and image in it. But it then also makes those things fully searchable so that people that are fully sighted um, could have uh, a lot of use for it as well. And what is your background? Uh, my background is a standard run-of-the-mill English professor. <laughs> so most English professors I know aren't don't have a side hustle in building an app for visually impaired students. How did this even come into into your realm of, I mean, of what you were doing? How did this even come up? So I teach. Uh, at that time, it was still a fairly new class, a class on graphic novels, and there was a grad level version of it. And Aaron was a student in that, and his final project involved he made a, a very simple app to kind of uh, see how people responded to different um, uh, icons of faces um, to see if they would put a narrative onto a, a, a series of faces. And that got us talking about, well, how, how would someone who's visually impaired really get a sense of anything in a comic if it's not just told to them? And if it's just told to them, then it's very prescriptive. Um, when you read a comic, you have a lot of agency in that you're interpreting things the way you want to. You're looking at different areas in the way and the order in which you want to. And we figured that was all being lost when there's just an audio track uh, associated with that because someone is making all those choices for you. And so we got to talking about this and then we started realizing that haptics might be a way that's the vibratory responses on cell phones. It might be a way for someone who's just feeling a screen to get a sense of where things are and how they lay out on the page. And Aaron is your co-founder, and he is a former student from WSU and now a grad student at yeah. Florida State? Yes, he's working on his PhD at Florida State. Cool. And then what was his background? Because it sounds like there's some programming in there. Uh, that's all self-taught with him. Wow. Um, and he's since been, been he's he's a phenomenal uh, person that way. He's He's been taking classes while he's taking classes on how to do <laughs> a lot of this stuff. So he's definitely the uh, the tech-minded side of this. Very impressive. So, I mean, it's one thing to have a student work on a project like this presented to you. It's another thing for you, the teacher, to say, hey, I like this idea. I want to go in on it with you. Where does that aspect come from, that entrepreneurial spirit? Have you always had that? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, and actually, one of the things that was really helpful with this is uh, Aaron and I did some poking around to see if we could get some help with it. And we took it over to Tech Transfer and did the um, Shocker i which was uh, really 
super helpful for us. But one of the most helpful things was realizing no one really understood what the heck we were talking about or how this was, was a thing anyone should be interested in. Um, and as we started to have those conversations, we we started to know the idea of where this could go more ourselves and started to get more excited about, well, this could really be something that um, is put out there in the world. It certainly helps blind visually impaired readers, but uh, also does a lot of other things that um, uh, that everyone should, you know, uh, take an interest in. And so on a really basic level, whenever someone who's sighted is looking at a comic, right, they're picking up on all of these other cues, the, the flow of the different screens, like the flow of the different boxes and uh, the order of events happening. Um, and then whenever a person who's having difficulty, what do you call a non-sighted person? Yes. Whenever a non-sighted person is looking at it, obviously they can't follow that order of events. So your proposed solution is to use haptics, which are the vibrations on the phone, like if you get a phone call or something starts ringing, that vibration is going to help them understand the flow or what does the vibration do? So uh, a lot of times comics are set up where the panels are read just like we would read a normal text, upper left, down, uh, across, and then down. But uh, more and more artists like to experiment with that. And so if you get a page, let's say there's a splash page and you've got a lot of things going on and they're not necessarily in a particular order, when you encounter that as a fully sighted person, you process all that immediately and then your eye goes to where you want your eye to go. And then you make some sense of that yourself. Now we can't totally replicate that for someone who can't see, but what we can do is allow them to kind of explore the page and get a sense of where things are laid out. Maybe in this corner, you've got Batman sitting on the edge of a building. Um, and, and that could be important to know because down in the lower right-hand corner, you see him come swooping down and punch the Joker in the face or something like that. And, and all across the page, there's lots of maybe backstory or flashbacks or something happening. Um, and so this would allow someone to use the haptics to kind of feel the different areas to, to get a sense of how things are meant to be unfolding on the page, but then also just touch different areas of the screen and get the audio feedback of like Batman, uh, Batarang, <laughs> uh, Punch, Joker, it, and it would read all that back to you as well. Wow. And so one of the things whenever you're sliding your finger, is it like there's almost confirmation like you went yes. to the wrong box and it gives you a certain vibration you go to the right one it gives you a different one this reminds me a lot of what netflix is doing they mm -hmm. have basically you know if you have if you have problems with your vision and someone walks in the room you know it'll actually say out loud you know jim walks into the room and kind of describe everything that's happening that you normally see did you get any inspiration from that we, well, uh, probably the opposite of inspiration in the sense that we sat and we watched some of those videos like you're talking about, <laughs> and they're 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 very chaotic. Now, as someone who has a sight and hasn't had to to deal with those kinds of things, maybe someone who's not fully sighted, that's something that they're kind of used to dealing with the the competition. But uh, the Netflix software, which I think is a good move. Um, in some ways, but if there's a lot of action while there's a lot of dialogue, it's talking over uh, things that you're having to pick. What am I listening to? And a lot of times the descriptions are a little strange. And one of the first ones we encountered was The Incredibles. Uh, there's the Pixar image of the little jumping lamp. And to hear that described uh, is just bizarre. <laughs> you, would, <laughs> you think, what, am I, what have I gotten into here with this? And that's just for the opening, uh, the, the sequence for Pixar before you even get to the movie. Yeah, well, that's super interesting. And I mean, one thing that I'm personally curious about is what was kind of your end goal you had in mind when you said, okay, we're going to take on this project? So we wanted this to be something that we could push out there and that people could use themselves and that this would be um, 
largely a free app in the sense of if you want to do the coding, um, if you're a publisher, you could download the app and start working on that coding yourself. And so that's the next step of what we're working on. Uh, the idea really is to try to make as many multimodal texts fully accessible as possible, because this is one of the things in education. Now, if I'm teaching a graphic novels class and my work isn't fully um, fully accessible, then that's on me to make all those works fully accessible. And that is incredibly time consuming. Um, and it's, it's important work, but it's, it's difficult to do that. And it, it often affects, I think the choices that you make in the classroom. One thing with projects like this is everyone can have a great idea. It comes down to execution and, you know, programming an app and having a team that costs a lot of money. And I saw recently you guys have actually won a couple of different grants and been uh, you were awarded $100,000 by the National Endowment for Humanities. I mean, what does it feel like to receive that funding and know that your pro your project can have some more life and longevity? I, I could actually hear my dean smiling from across <laughs> <laughs> across the city there uh, when that happened. It, uh, we were very excited. It's it's not just getting the money, which we know is going to help further what we're working on, but it's uh, some validation from a national agency that uh, what you're working on seems like it really has some promise. In terms of this entire space, I've never, I haven't heard of too many people doing what you're doing or maybe even any at all. Do you guys have much competition? Are there people that have tried to do things like this and failed or what does that look like? So we had a really, we took part in a really interesting symposium um, out of San Francisco State earlier this year. And there were, uh, I think about 800 people signed up for the Zoom on this. So it was, uh, there was a lot of interest globally around it. From what we could tell, there's no one really doing anything quite like what we're doing. There are some people that have tried to produce tactile comics, which I think are interesting. Um, but in terms of, of um, reproducibility, I think that poses some serious hurdles. Do you guys have a timeline that you guys think you'd be able to roll out a, a beta test for this for this app? Or? We just we have a finished uh, prototype of this. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be doing that testing that I talked about, and uh, we're going to be working with Envision, um, which we're really excited about. And we hope to have a number of, of folks um, take this for a test drive. And again, if, if they're visually impaired, we really are seeking their input on what works best. Uh, we don't want to prescribe totally what, um, uh, what, what, what they're going to enjoy about the process. And uh, we'll get the feedback from that. We're hoping by the end of the year to have this as something that, um, at least in an original form, goes out there and can be downloaded by others to to start to uh, um, uh, render text into accessible formats. Wow, that, that's pretty soon. Yeah. That's got to be really exciting. Yeah. Wow. So what does it mean to you in general to have this come out of Wichita State and this to be in the community of Wichita? Like, what does it mean to you to have this community come around you and help with the with the grants and the awards from the endowment? Like, what is that? felt like to have that you know, support? That's, that's a really interesting question because one of the things I didn't realize before um, that I probably should have is uh, in academia, you're really, at least previously in, in, in the humanities, you're you're often conditioned to work alone, um, that you're going to go write something or you're going to go research something. And, and if it gets published, great, then there's your validation and there's your entrance into the community. And this has been something where um, it has taken so many different people from different corners of, of Wichita State to help us, to advise us, to give us uh, just some guidance on this that, that we really sorely needed, um, that it's been really fun and invigorating to have that kind of, uh, you know, community to work on something. I've really enjoyed the process. 
so two quick things before we uh, close off here. The first one is if people want to connect or learn more about Visling, where can they find you guys online? Uh, they can go to visling.org um, and they can certainly uh, follow us on Twitter and uh, they can just reach out uh, through my email at Wichita State. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to link those in the description so that everyone can swipe up and check it out. Um, and then my last question for you is, you know, obviously you've taken on kind of a big task here and you've learned a lot along the way. If you could go back and talk to someone who's going to start on some sort of project that they think is challenging, impossible, or something that they believe can happen, but is difficult, what advice would you offer to that person? I think uh, there's a certain level of humility uh, that, that should go along early in the process. And, and by that, I mean, um, try not to get too frustrated if people aren't understanding your idea and use that as an opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, what am I not communicating well here? What do I need to explain to someone who's not, doesn't have this in their head the way I do and, and can really see the promise in it? Um, because that, that helps you. And I think it also then helps the whole process overall. Thank you guys for listening. I really enjoyed this interview with Darren Dufresne. If you got any value out of this episode, please leave us a comment, subscribe, and rate the podcast. We would really appreciate it. So we release episodes every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. We will see you in the next episode.